right now we have kind of been locked into this perspective of purpose. And I want to continue there one more night. Uh, there was a passage I did not get to uh, get to last week, and so I want to kind of remain there. Um, but we're talking about this subject of purpose, and we're discovering it through the life of a shepherd boy. Um, God showed me this because this thing has just kind of been ongoing. He said that David had to be planted in the pasture before he could be produced in the palace. David had to be planted in the pasture before he could be produced in the palace. I went to breakfast this morning with uh, one of our good people, one of our good airmen, uh, Mr. Jason Brutovsky, and he and Amy are uh, expecting their first child here in about five to six weeks. What an exciting time for them. They've been standing and believing for a while, and now this is the child that God has promised them. And I was asking him, "What is the scariest thing uh, that? What, what is the scariest thing to you about having this child? And what is the thing that gives you the most anxiety? And what what's the most exciting thing?" We're just stirring up some conversation because this is their first child, and it's amazing when you're expecting something that no one else can see. The, the, the thoughts that go into that and the care and the attention and the preparation. And, and it just got me thinking about this series a little bit because that's the way our purpose is. Your purpose is prepared where no one can see it. It's prepared. It's planted. You know what that means to plant something, right? That means you're taking something that, that does not look like, I'm going to jump a little bit into next week, the potential is in the seed. You understand the seed has the same DNA as the tree, the same makeup. There's nothing different except for what you see on the outside. But on the inside, it's all there. Next week, we'll start talking about the potential of purpose because the potential never looks like what you see on the outside. That's why it's called potential. And so I was just talking with them about, you know, this opportunity that, that, that there she has something growing inside of her. And she has such a great expectation. They both do. And sure, there's some anxiety. And then he made this statement. He says, the closer we get, the more uncomfortable she gets. And I said, that sounds a lot like purpose. That sounds a lot like purpose. When you're birthing purpose in your life, the closer you get, the more uncomfortable it gets. Uh, think about David now. He's in the pasture. He's in the pasture, just those preparation moments being planted. No one sees the work that's going on. He alludes later on. We saw last week he's talking about the lion and the bear. Those were preparation moments, the battles that he's fighting that nobody else sees. We talked about that last week. What are the battles that you've been fighting nobody else sees? Maybe your spouse doesn't even see it. Your kids don't even see it. It's so internal. It's so obscure. It's, it's in such a location that it's just between you and God. What are those struggles that you face? God wants to use those as an opportunity to bring a testimony when you come before the giant. Amen. This place of obscurity, this place where no one sees what's going on. But, but now as he's getting closer, uh, you know, he's running the first Meals on Wheels program, taking cheese uh, and, and, and bread to his brothers now. And, and, and out of a position of serving, he ends up in the position of his purpose. Because that's how purpose uh, shows up many times is in the mundane and the familiar and the routine and the things that nobody would think are a big deal. That's usually those are usually the things that get you to where God wants you to be. Amen. 
And so uh, now he's serving cheese. He ends up on this battlefield. He hears this giant. Okay, maybe there's a little bit of a sense within him. Uh, uh, you know, obviously everything we hear and everything that he's reading, uh, the front that he puts on, so to speak, is that he's ready to challenge this giant. With, with no experience, because we said that people with experience always trump people with skill. Or uh, people, with, uh, people with purpose always trump people with skill, people with experience, people with training. God's just looking for people with purpose. He doesn't need you to know it all. He doesn't need you to figure it out. Many times he doesn't want you to figure it out. Because it's the ones that try to reason it through, find the formula, figure everything out, are the ones that rule out what God can really do. God's looking for people that are so beyond, that's what we're going to see tonight, so beyond a comfortable place and so beyond what could be done in the natural that God's finally saying, there he is. You've shown up. That's what I'm looking for. You can't take credit. No one else gets the glory. Only I do because I've placed purpose within you. My purpose does not uh, uh, rely on your ability doesn't rely on your experience, doesn't rely on those who are for you or those who are against you. And many times the situations that we find ourselves in, the closer we get, the more uncomfortable it is because that's purpose coming out. Just as as Amy uh, in the natural is getting more uncomfortable as this baby is growing, the purpose is growing within David. It's growing inside of David. And the more naturally uncomfortable he gets, the more comfortable he gets in relying on God, relying on the Holy Spirit. And so we've got to see how this purpose comes to light. And so last couple of weeks we've been talking about perspective. And we've been talking about how people with purpose – They don't see something different, but they see something differently. They don't see something different, but they see something differently. And that that is such a huge, I mean, we we can keep on reiterating that and trying to bring that home because so many times we think that everything around us has to change before our purpose can come out. So many times we think that we need a different situation or a different environment or a different geographic location, or a different relationship, or a different promotion, or a different financial status. So many times we think that it's the things around us that have to change for our purpose to come out. But God is saying, no, I want to change what is within you so you can change what's around you. They didn't need a different scenario. David is challenging the very thing that everybody else is retreating from. Everyone else is backing away, and David shows up on the field ready to charge and ready to challenge. And as we saw, when you gain this type of perspective, it it, it begins to intimidate those that have no purpose. The people that have no vision for their life and the people that have been stuck in the mire, it's said that they have been out here in front of Goliath now for over 40 days. 40 days. They got stuck in survival mode. Have you ever noticed that, that, you know, people that are stuck in survival mode, when you start trying to move things forward, it frustrates them. You ever seen that? Because the problem, the, the, the problem is, is you can get comfortable in survival mode. Well, at least I'm saved. Well, at least I go to church. Well, at least I, some people are just, they're more interested in just staying in the marriage than loving their marriage. I said it. 
Come on. Some people are okay just barely making it, just barely getting through. But that God didn't create us for, for survival mode. He created us to pursue and to progress and to grow and to develop. He never expected those Israelites to get out on the battlefield and say, well, I mean, we're still alive. I mean, we haven't conquered them, but we're not dead either. And it's real easy as you begin to stand in front of the giant with no purpose and with no vision and with no perspective. You know what, what, what just makes me wonder is, is why is David having to go to King Saul? Why isn't King Saul coming to David? Why isn't King Saul out and he's the king. He's the leader of this thing. I mean, if anybody should be willing to take on the giant, it should be King Saul. Not, not saying, any of you boys going? You guys going to help me, help me take care of this thing? That's what happens when you lose vision. That's what happens when you lose passion. That's what happens when you lose purpose. King Saul's lost his purpose because the previous chapter, or a, a, a couple previous chapters before 1 Samuel chapter 15, the kingdom was removed from him. The kingdom was taken, and so was his purpose. So was his destiny. So was his identity. Well, if I'm, if I'm not king, then who am I? If I'm not leading Israel, then, then what am I even doing? Completely lost purpose. To where the spirit of the Lord has now left him. David's having to come in and play the harp and do his thing on the strings uh, just to even keep this guy in somewhat of a sane mode so he can operate as a king. So they get out on a battlefield. has no intentionality to fight this giant that is challenging them, when God has already promised to give the Philistines to the Israelites. Go back and read it. Read it from Abraham and read it from Moses. The Philistines belonged to the Israelites, not the other way around. So these charges and these challenges from Goliath, they really have no merit. They have no threat. They have no credibility because my God is bigger. So David shows up with purpose and with intentionality, and he's beginning to recognize, I thought I came to bring cheese, but I found out I came not to bring cheese. I came to bring victory to these Israelites. We see that his brother gets intimidated by that. What are you even doing out here? Shouldn't you be in the pasture with the sheep? Finally, they bring him to King Saul, and King Saul initially is like, there's no way I'm sending you out there. I'm not going to put the entire nation on the shoulders of a shepherd boy. He says, whoa, wait a minute. I fought the lion. I fought the bear. What's he doing? He's, he's, he's helping his past, helping his past is helping him gain perspective of his future. And that's up to you. We said this last week that your reality does not dictate your, it should not dictate your perspective. What happened to you, you have no control of. How you respond to it. That's why they call it responsibility. It's the ability to respond. The ability to respond. Responsibility, meaning I decide how I respond. Reality, this is what's happening to me. But what do I do with the lion that's challenging me? And what do I do with the bear that's testing me? And not only that, but what do I do with the story? And what do I do with the testimony? What do I do? When, because up to no point do we see that, that he's ever communicated this. Uh oh, I fought a lion today. What'd you do? I fought, a, I fought a bear. No, he saved it. He saved it, stowed it away. The memories and the promises of God 
until that moment came and said, mm, I know how I know how I'm going to defeat this. I know how I'm going to defeat this giant because I have faced the lion and I faith. And in the moment, it felt like meaningless in the moment. It felt like, what am I even doing? Was it even worth it? But now I'm finding out that that battle has only set me up for this war. That test back then is, is setting me up for this trial that's in front of me right now. So he allowed his past to give him perspective of his future. And so here uh, we want to continue on here. Uh, let's pick up with um, verse, verse 31. Let's kind of reiterate this conversation here. With Saul, and then I'm going to take you to another passage to kind of drive this home tonight, and then um, next week we'll get rolling with the last couple messages. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 31. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, can I say this? Your purpose needs your voice. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I got to take a detour right here. When the words which David spoke were heard. What do people hear you saying? You've got to give voice to your purpose. You've got to speak to your purpose. You've got to speak to what you don't even see yet. You've got to speak. They need your words. I heard uh, uh, an old minister say, never run at your giant with your mouth closed. And we learned later on that he didn't do that. He didn't run at his giant. He was... Talking, speaking, you need to speak life into your purpose. Many of us derail our purpose, maybe not because we don't believe it, but because we don't speak it. And you need to put voice to your purpose. You need to be talking about things that are beyond you. You need to be talking about things you haven't even done yet. You need to be talking about things that are bigger than you. You need to be talking about things that scare you. I'll say that again. You need to be talking about things that scare you. Like, did, did I just say that? Did, did, I, did that just come out of my... Whoa, what? what? Well, that's right. You've got to give voice to it. When they heard the words that David spoke, when they heard them, you've got to speak life into your purpose. We can't keep it to ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean you go blabbing and promoting but that means when the challenge comes, you can't, you can't speak doubt and unbelief and see your purpose come to pass. It's not going to work. And, and initially, you will talk yourself out of what God has already talked you into. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? You will talk yourself out of what God has already talked you into. Numbers chapter 13, when, when the Israelites came to the edge of the promised land, the promised land, meaning that this was a promise that had already been made. God's not in heaven, you know, contemplating, do I really want to give it to him? It's already a done deal. Hey, Abraham, you're going to be a father of many nations. They're going to be taken into slavery, but they're going to come back in. They're going to take this land and they're going to fight for this land. This belongs to Israel. God has already talked them into it. They talked themselves out of it. Are you talking yourself out of what God has already talked you into? Are we talking ourselves out of the things that God has already promised? When they heard the words that David said, they reported them to Saul. Oh, we're going to tell Saul. 
We ain't going to talk like that around here. We go into the big man. It gets reported. And then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. He's going as a servant. He's not going and say, hey, I want all that stuff you promised everybody. So I'm going to take the, he's saying, your servant, I'm here to serve you. I will go. I will fight. Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth and he a man of war from his youth. Again, only identifying the stuff on the outside. And everything he stated is correct. Factually, King Saul is right. You have no business out there. Let me tell you why. You are a boy. You're about 15 years old. You're a shepherd boy. You have no experience with war and the ways of war. He is a man of war, knows war, knows how to slaughter you ten ways, ten different ways. And he has done this since he was your age. This ain't happening. So when you start speaking faith to your purpose, don't be surprised when others start speaking fear to your potential. When you start speaking faith to your purpose, don't be surprised when others start speaking fear to your potential. Because they don't see what's inside of you. They only see what's on the outside. But you got to speak faith to your purpose. you got to say, look, I know on the outside it doesn't look like I belong here. I know on the outside it doesn't look like this is for me. I know on the outside this doesn't seem like something I am capable of. And let me tell you, I am not. But let me tell you why I should be here. Let me tell you, let me just give you a a glance at why I believe God has chosen me for this moment. When you start speaking faith, to your purpose, don't be surprised when people start speaking fear to your potential. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. This isn't starting out real good. <laughs> oh, really? Used to keep sheep? Keep going. I, I need to hear more. Your, father, your, uh, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it, delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. You know, honestly, I think that he reminded King Saul of something there. When he said, seeing he defies the armies of the living God, I think King Saul on the inside went, oh, yeah, we're the army of the living God. I should have seen that one. Because <laughs> remember, everyone's forgotten that. They don't know who they belong to. They don't know who their God is. King Saul sure doesn't. King Saul's actually turned his back on the one that even put him in the position in the first place. So I, I think David reminded King Saul, you, you remember we belong to God, right? Okay. Seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, sometimes there's an opportunity for a moreover. Sometimes you just gotta, you got to push it a little further. And this, this was the kicker. Moreover, David said, the Lord 
who delivered me from the paw of the lion. See, he's not even just relying on his natural ability to kill a lion and a bear. You see, if he stops right there, we could have the argument, okay, so you killed a lion, an animal, a bear, a beast. How does that compare with the giant? But, but he, he gives a moreover here. He says, now hold on, hold on. The lion and the bear, they're not adequate. Good stories, but let me tell you why I was able to take out the lion, and let me tell you why I was able to challenge that bear. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. You got to see this now. He's not going back to his ability. He's not. You cannot take a testimony of something you went through and say, look what I did. You've got to remember, it's look what God did. And the same God that got me this job, and the same God that got me through that test, and the same God that got me through that trial is going to get me through this next one. And I can take on this giant because God brought me through the lion, and God brought me through the bear. He doesn't just say, I fought a lion, I fought a bear, let me take on the giant. He doesn't stop there. We can't ever, the second you think that you're the reason why you passed the last test, you will not be sufficient to take on the next test. Because it's not your sufficiency. You didn't sustain yourself in that battle. You're not the reason you're still alive. You're not the reason you're not bankrupt. You're not the reason that marriage is still together. You're, don't, don't attribute that to counseling. And don't attribute that to a credit card. And don't attribute that to a, a certain relationship. Remember that God brought you through the test. God brought you through the trial. And he brought you through the last one. He'll bring you through the next one. He said, the Lord delivered me. I mean, those are good stories in and of their own. I mean, I would be second-guessing and thinking, well, you know, I mean, he did fight a lion. I've never fought a lion. I mean, that's a pretty good story. But there's only, it's not about what he fought. It's about who he was with. It's not about what he fought. But it's about who was with David. He said, the Lord delivered me. The Lord delivered me. The Lord delivered me. And Saul said to David, go and watch this. The Lord be with you. And Saul said to David, the Lord be with you. He's not sending David. He's sending the Lord. David's working with him. You see, you see where you see where this took a turn. Saul knows that David's not the one stepping out on that battlefield. Not by himself. Go to Matthew chapter 14. And try to bring this home here in about 15, 20 minutes. Matthew chapter 14. As we're discovering our purpose and these challenges come, I'm going to tell you right now, you will never discover purpose without a challenge. 
And that's kind of a premise. I don't think I've ever really said that. It's kind of been an underlying premise to this whole thing is that purpose brings challenges. They don't just come. It brings them. The, the challenge, the testing, the trials, the lions, the bears, the Goliaths are there. And they're not challenging you. But they're birthing the purpose, just as we said, the closer you get the more uncomfortable those those challenges that you're experiencing and 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 those trials and those struggles again this is why perspective is so important because you can say this is trying to stop me or you can say this is trying to birth me because both can be painful both are uncomfortable i mean if you watch uh two uh sports teams you know, battling, you know, let's say a championship, because that's where we know everything's on the line, you know, kind of like these basketball championships we're watching. If you watch them, both teams are winded at the end. You ever notice that? Like the team that won doesn't come out like, let's play another. They are both drained. They put, they left everything on the court. One comes out victorious. One comes out a loser. And, and, and we, 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 we see both of them are wore out, drained. Physically, mentally, emotionally, we have to quit uh, uh, connecting that the fact that we look a little worn and look a little beaten up to have lo- to having lost. No, that to me is a sign that you're fighting. And, and, and one of the number one things that I do as a pastor, I feel like sometimes, is I'll have conversations with people that they, they walk into my office or walk into a meeting and, and they've got scars and, and, and they've got sweat on their brow and, and, and they're just hunched over. They're out of breath. I'm talking, you know, not literally. I've never talked to anybody that literally had all that stuff. Not yet. But, but figuratively, they're, they're in a position where they look and they automatically relate it to defeat every time. Every time. And they're like, oh, Pastor Mark. And I'm like, dude, you're winning. You're winning. You're still fighting. You, you might be on the ropes, but you're still in the fight. You, have you given up? No, I mean, I just I don't know what to do. That's okay. We'll figure out what to do. We'll listen to the Holy Spirit, but you're still in the fight. This thing ain't over. And now I become their cheerleader. And now I get them off the ropes. And now I say, man, there's still seconds on the clock. And there's still runners on the field. And you still have opportunity. There's still potential in you. But, man, I, I messed up that play, man. I screwed. That's okay. We'll fix, we'll fix that later. We'll fix. Right now you're in the fight of your life. Let's go. You know why? Because someone did that to me. Numerous times someone has, I've walked into offices and I've walked before pastors, I've walked before mentors, and I've walked before leaders like this, like, oh, pastor, I'm sorry, I blew it. I'm so sorry. I'll never forget one time they got in my face, spit all over me. And had they not, I wouldn't be here today. Because I thought it was over. And they said, there's still time on the clock. There's still one more out left in the game. You're, You're still in this. 
the ref hasn't called it. They haven't claimed someone else victorious. But, but you don't know. I mean, I, I messed up. Yeah, you, you botched the play. And we'll figure that out. We got to work on that so we don't botch it next time. But, but you're fighting. And fighting means you have the opportunity to win. Every time. Every time. Every time. I don't care how wore out you might be. And there's reasons for that. It could be that you're depriving yourself like we talked on Sunday. You might be wore out because you haven't been replenishing anything. You've been, you, you are making more withdrawals than deposits. We've got to fix that. You've got to get you some Gatorade. You've got to get some time on the bench. You've got to call a timeout every now and then. You're just blowing and going. You've got to stop the play. You've got to stop the momentum and say, whoa, hold on a minute. But it doesn't mean it's over. There's fight. There's a fight. And so when we're discovering our purpose, yeah, there's challenges. And, and honestly, people that don't face challenges aren't on a path to purpose. I'm just going to tell you. God promised us that he would comfort us, but he never promised us that it would be comfortable. He said that we would be comforted, but he never said you would be comfortable. It's completely different. He sent us a comforter. Why don't I feel comforted right now? Oh, he's comforting you in the midst of uncomfortability. We cannot, we cannot think that comfort means we'll never be uncomfortable. He said that you would be comforted, but he did not say it would be comfortable. In fact, he promised you the, at the complete opposite. He promised you trials and tribulations. Here in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, uh, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat with the disciples was now in the middle of the sea. That's important. <laughs> Why doesn't the test show up when we're close to the shore on either side? I'm in the middle. I'm sm I can't go back. I can't go forward. I'm in the middle. And that's when the storm shows up. Because if the, if the storm shows up and you can still reach. Oh, good. Okay. Oh, it's starting to get challenging, but I'm good now. No, the storm shows up when you got nothing to lean on. Oh, gosh. I can't go back there. And that's still way over there. Come on. Caught in the middle. The storm shows up. In the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And so many times when we follow God, we think the wind will push us. <laughs> and what we do usually is when the wind starts coming against us, we think it's a sign that we got out of the will of God. Now that may happen like a Jonah disobedience, compromising the whole ship, compromising, you know, all the other people that he ended up on this boat with. But, you know, there's times where the wind 
is contrary because it's the challenges that come to produce your purpose. Purpose is always birthed in the midst of challenge and in the midst of contradictions. It's contrary. It's against him. So we can't just automatically buy that the wind's against us. I must be doing something wrong. Sometimes the wind is against you because you are doing the very thing God called you to do. It's not because they disobeyed Jesus. It's because they actually obeyed him, did exactly what he told them to do at the exact time he told them to go. And here comes the storm. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. Uh, Verse 25. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. The same waves that they were being rocked by, Jesus is walking on. (laughs) The same waves that are tossing them around, Jesus is walking on top of them. Now, every time I've seen any type of movie or any cartoon try to depict this, the the water is just completely still, and Jesus is just gliding, roller skating on the waters. It's like, what is that, an ice rink out there? What in the world? This is a storm. He's still in the storm. Jesus is walking on the waves. He's walking on the water. The water didn't just quietly calm down around him. It doesn't say that. It says the storm is still going. Which tells me I don't necessarily need the storm to stop. (laughs) Do you want to go around it or do you want to go through it? Because only one of them gets gets you to the other side. So many times we're asking Jesus to get out of the storm and he's saying, I'm right here with you in it. And I'm walking on top of it. And the waves that are tossing you around, I'm walking on top of. Going with it. Walking on the sea. The same sea. The same sea that's tearing them up, he's walking on. Okay. Uh, He's walking on the sea. They were troubled saying, uh, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them. Jesus is speaking to us immediately. Immediately. We might not hear him immediately, but he's speaking immediately. Jesus spoke to them saying, look what he says. Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. He doesn't say nothing about the storm. Don't worry. I'm coming to stop this whole thing. What does he say? It is I. Because when I'm in the middle of the storm, I don't need to focus on the fight in front of me. I need to focus on the one that is with me. And the one that is with me will help me endure the fight against me. So many times our perspective is so fixated on what is happening against us. And he says, it's, it doesn't matter who is against you because I am for you. And if I am for you, I am with you. Come on, I'm trying to change our perspective now. Changing our perspective because people with purpose live with a different perspective. They don't allow reality to get them down because it's their perception of reality that really determines their outcome. Your blessing is not locked in your reality. 
Your blessing is locked in your perspective of your reality. How do you see it? He says, be of good cheer. That's a weird thing to say. (laughs) Be, Be of good cheer. Be. Be. Not just something that you think or not just... Not, not just an emotion. Be. Be good cheer. Can you be cheerful in the midst of the storm? Can you be? I'm not just saying you put on the brave face. I'm saying, can you be of good cheer? It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Command me to come to you on the in the middle. The storm has not stopped, y'all. I would have said, whoa, that's a cool thing you're doing. Stop this storm. I want to come out and try that, too. But he's saying I will come out on top of the storm. If you can walk on the storm, that's what they should call it. Jesus walks on the storm. When you if you can walk on the storm and you're with me, I can walk on the storm, too. I don't need the storm to stop. I don't need the waters to quit raging. You call me out and I am coming out. He says, command me to come out. He said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, this is the thing. Jesus is the one that sent them in this storm, into this water. I mean, Jesus may not be a meteorologist, but he's the son of God. He can definitely see that there's a storm coming. Jesus, you didn't know this thing was on the way. Couldn't have waited till tomorrow. Couldn't have postponed this thing. Here's the storm. You knew we're going to be in the middle of the sea at that time. But Jesus said, we're going to the other side. He said, I'll meet you on the other side. So this is the thing. We cannot allow what we see. To be bigger than what God says. We cannot allow what we see to be bigger than what God says. Now, I know everyone calls Goliath a giant. And all of the men called him a giant. And anybody just going off of just natural facts would call Goliath a giant. He's nine foot something. That's a giant. I mean, for me, somebody that's six foot something is a giant. Hey, what's the weather like up there? You know, I just, I'm five foot seven on my toes. So, you know, giants are relative. I believe giants are relative. I believe David, David never called him a giant. He called him a Philistine. He said, I don't care how big he is. He's an enemy. He said, you call him a giant because he's bigger than you. But he ain't a giant to me because my my God is bigger than him. Giants are relative. (laughs) Sure, it might be a giant to you, but you don't know my God. He never calls him a giant. Calls him a Philistine. You are an enemy. You are in opposition to my purpose, to my God, not just me, but you are challenging the God that I serve. But you are so much smaller than my God. 
What's he doing? He's going back to what God said. He's not focused on what he sees. But so many times we allow what we see to be bigger than what God said. Peter said, if you command me, you got to give me the command. You got to tell me. And so he gets out on this water and he's walking on this water to Jesus. But here it is. But when he saw, but when he saw, saw, not Saul, not King Saul. We're not in first Samuel. We're saying Saul, S-A-W. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, what happened? All of a sudden his faith turns to fear. His faith in what he heard diminished. Now, it says that he's afraid. But you know what he really did in this point? He put faith in the storm instead of the word. Fear is just faith in the wrong thing. Fear is just faith in the wrong thing. And when you're walking out your purpose and when you're living out your purpose and you're discovering your purpose, there will be opportunities to put your fear or to put your faith in the wrong thing. And your faith now turns to fear. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out to the Lord, save me. He cried out. Save me. It's when we take our eyes off of what God said. And we begin to fix our eyes on what we see. That our faith turns to fear. And we cannot discover purpose in fear. You can't discover purpose. When there isn't a belief system on the inside that says what God said would happen has to happen regardless of what's contrary, regardless of what is in opposition, regardless of what comes against me. Because when you're walking out your purpose, many times nothing else will agree. That's when you have to agree. You you realize that's what faith is anyways. Faith is just agreeing with God. It's just agreement. I agree. I agree. That is my promised land. I agree. This marriage will will last and be a loving marriage. I, I agree. My business will make it. I agree that these kids will grow up and honor you. I agree. I agree. You are. You have to get because you're not. You're not creating faith in something that he hasn't said. You can only put faith in what he has said. And that's why it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is only birth in one thing, God's word. That's how faith is produced. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But, but, but when we deplete and deprive ourselves of God's word and we begin to fix our eyes on the contrary winds and the contrary waves and the storms and the giants that come to oppose our purpose. Your faith now is placed in something else and you spend all your energy and you spend all your effort. In believing in something. That's what, that's what fear is. That's what fear is. Is believing in something that hasn't even happened yet. 
We start playing those games. We start playing that stuff in our mind. We start playing the future in our mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose the business and they're, they're going to take our home. And, 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 you know, I'm, and, you know, how am I going to be able to provide for my kids? I mean, where am I going to work? I don't know where I'm going to work. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, you know, how, how, I don't have any other kind of degree. I don't know any other kind of occupation. What are they going to do if they close this business? Down? Where, what are they going to do if, they, if I lose my job? What, what's going to? Stuff that hasn't even happened yet. Stuff that hasn't even taken place. When he saw the wind, when he took his eyes off of the word, fixed his eyes on the wind, he lost ground. So we've got to keep our eyes, our perspective fixed on God. We've got to keep our perspective fixed on what he said. And what we see cannot be bigger than what God said. Is that giant in your life? Is it a giant because you've made it a giant? Is it a giant because you've forgotten how big God really is? Maybe it's time to magnify our God. Maybe it's time to get a glimpse back of who he really is and what he can really do. It might be something like what we talked about on Sunday. Going back to the past victories and saying, God, you brought me through the lion. You brought me, and you remember the emotions on the inside. You remember how you were just so thankful. You remember how you were so grateful. But you have deprived yourself of the sweetness of the spoils. You've deprived yourself of rejoicing and being grateful and being thankful. And I'll tell you right now, there, there is no, I can't think of a better way to make God bigger in your life than to thank him for what he's done. Thank him. Find yourself with a heart of gratitude. Find yourself with a heart that just rejoices for who he is in, in the midst of the storm. God, if you're not going to take me out of the storm, I'm thankful that you're with me in the storm. And I will not make any natural giant bigger than you.